So we're going to regather next week, which is fantastic, the time of regathering, time of getting together again. And I hope what we can start to also think about is a time of resetting, you know, when you sometimes have to reset something or like your computer and, um, and something's just um, kind of clogged up or something's not working well and you press that reset button, you want to get things refreshed again, you want to get things started again. Well, I pray this morning that as you hear the word of God, that not only are you thinking about the time of regathering, but also a time of just resetting. I want you to reflect this morning and be encouraged in the word of God. One thing that I um, uh, love doing, and I know my children love doing when they were little, we, during the summer periods, we head off to the beach and uh, we do lots of fun activities on the water. We used to do lots of fun activities on the sand. But one of the things that obviously kids love doing was build sandcastles yeah they just build sandcastles and there's just something fascinating about building sandcastles you know you're on the sand um and you can see you know whether you want to make them really big <laughs> really complicated or just really tall whatever it is the sandcastle was a fun activity and you spend all this time building sandcastles sometimes like you could spend half an hour an hour two hours just building sandcastles on the sand but we all knew <laughs> we all knew even while we were building sandcastles we all knew that sandcastle Definitely within a few hours or definitely by the next day, it was gone, wasn't it? It was gone. You're not going to secure the sandcastle, are you? There's no way in the world that you're going to be able to somehow protect this sandcastle from the tide coming in and from the waves the waves just washing it over. And, you know, sometimes you'd go to places in certain places of Melbourne or Victoria where people would go into the sand, like artists would go into the sand and they'd build this elaborate, incredible castles or images or or statues of some kind or um and, and and they would be absolutely amazing these these things that they would create from the sand but again how long would they last no matter how whether that was the three-year-old that was building the little house with the bucket or whether it was this 30-year-old who was building something elaborate on the sand it was all going to be washed away i pray moving into from as we reflect on the last couple of years and as we move into another year, that we don't look at our last couple of years like sandcastles. We think to myself, oh, you know, what a, what a complicated two years. But that we can look at it as something that we have learned from, we have grown from, we have somehow God has worked in us, not only individually as Christians, but even just as a church. And as you move into 2022, I pray that you don't look at life like sandcastles, you don't look at life like no matter what you do next year, what no matter what you do this year, it's, you know, what's the point? It's just going to be washed away. But rather, you go into this year in faith, believing and trusting that the God, that when he builds, he builds things to last. That in fact, as the Bible says, that our labour is not in vain in the Lord. Amen. Can you be encouraged by that? As you move into 2022, to believe that the God who builds things to last, that you're not investing your time, you're not investing your life, you're not investing your energy and everything in you. You're not giving to things that will be washed away simply by the waves of the sea. But that these things will last because God builds them. You know, as I reflect over the last couple of years, boy, <laughs> there's so much that has happened. We've heard a lot. We've seen a lot. We've felt a lot. I mean, how many times have your emotions been like a roller coaster? Every time you see or hear something on the news, every time a regulation or a requirement changes overnight, 
you know, we've seen a lot, we've felt a lot, we've experienced a lot over the last couple of years. But it's important now to reset. It's important to believe that as we move into this year, that we have a God who moves with us. The past hasn't been a waste. The past hasn't been in vain. The past has still done something to establish us and to build us. And a lot of us, um, a lot of people have sat around the last couple of years, done a lot of sitting the last couple of years, and perhaps it's time for us to be encouraged to stand, to get up, to stand, to move, to get up and move again and allow the Lord Jesus Christ to use our hands and to use our feet for the glory of his name. And I pray that that's... Uh, that you're able to take that away today. And I want to read from a passage that we're familiar with this morning from the book of Hebrews, chapter 11. And if you can turn to chapter 11 in the book of Hebrews, and I just want to read just a few verses in this chapter and just comment just briefly on them this morning to you and uh, pray that you are you're encouraged. I want to read verses 1 to 6 with the emphasis and the takeaway, if you like, of this passage being verse 6. Um, so if you go to Hebrews chapter 11 in the New Testament and the writer is reminding people this morning, is uh, asking them to think about where they've, what they've gone through, and we'll go to that in a second in chapter 10, what they've gone through and to remember that the essence and the core of their being is faith. That really at the end of the day, what else is going to establish you secure you, move you, and change things for you without this faith. And I pray that you're able to capture this, what the author is trying to communicate to the church, because the church, as we'll read here, the church has experienced much suffering. The church has endured much suffering. And the writer understands this. The writer appreciates this. And when he writes this, he's understanding that the church has suffered much but they must remember and they must acknowledge that at the very core of who they are and the core of their very existence is this faith in God. And they owe it to themselves to remember that. They owe it to themselves to remember that this is what that this is how they came to the Lord and this is how they will remain steadfast in the Lord. So in chapter 11, verse 1, the Bible says, Now faith, now faith is the substance of things hoped for. Listen to his language. And for the evidence of things not seen, for by it, that is, by, for by faith, the elders obtained a good testimony. By faith, we understand that the worlds were framed by the word of God so that the things which are seen were not made of things which are visible, by faith, Abel offered to God a more excellent sacrifice than Cain, through which he obtained witness that he was righteous, God testifying of his gifts, and through it he, being dead, still speaks. By faith, Enoch was taken away so that he did not see death, and was not found because God had taken him. For before he was taken, he had this testimony that he pleased God. But without faith, it is impossible to please God. 
For he who comes to God must believe that he is and that he is the rewarder of those who diligently seek him. This verse 6 is, is a really critical verse and it kind of sits um, uh, sort of at the start of this wonderful chapter of the whole of faith, this, this idea that there are so many people who have been testimony to faith. Not all of them survived. Some of them died. Some of them, some of them survived. But they were all testimony of faith. And this verse 6 kind of sits neatly at the start here, perhaps to set the scene for people to remember that this is at the essence of who we are and this is at the core of what we do. No matter what we're doing, whether we're uh, raising a family, whether we're starting a new job, whether we're getting married, this is at the essence of who we are. And it's very critical that we stay faithful and hold on to this because we need to know that our very existence, it's all about Jesus at the center and this faith that holds us true to what we believe and what we want to do. And so verse six again, for by faith, it is impossible to please him. For he who comes to God must believe that he is. This is God. God is who he is. You know, when God, God said to um, um, Moses, I think it was, oh, I, I, I am who I am. I am who I am. You know, the God that he is and he is the rewarder of those who diligently seek him. He doesn't hold his hand back, but according to his perfect will and according to his perfect way, he gives to those who diligently seek him. And I want to read through some of this and just hopefully encourage you guys in the essence, but in what it's trying to say, but verse 6, capturing, if you like, that faith pleases God, you believe that he is and is the rewarder of those who seeking but there's a background to this there's a background to what god is uh what the writer is saying here and the church endured much perhaps you could say a little bit like what we've experienced and if you go to chapter 10 just look at verse 37 we'll read three verses just to give you a little bit of a background verse 37 says in chapter 10 for yet a little while and jesus or he who is coming will come and will not tarry it's like the encouragement jesus is coming He's not going to hang around, uh, uh, hold it back for too long. Jesus is coming and wants to encourage them because of what they're going through. Verse 38, now the just shall live by faith. But if anyone draws back, my soul has no pleasure in him. And he wants to encourage them. That, I know that's what you're going through. I know the suffering that you're going through. But I want, to, I want to remind you of something, that when the one who believes in the Lord Jesus Christ, the just, they live by faith. Their whole existence is by faith. They look somehow beyond what is happening and they believe in something that is beyond them and they walk in faith. And he says something quite interesting. He goes, but my soul takes no pleasure to those who stop living by faith. He doesn't quite say it like that. He says, for those whose souls um, so for anyone who draws back, almost giving up on their faith, giving up on their belief, giving up on God, you know, those who no longer seek him or, or, or um, are, are diligently after him, he goes, my soul has no pleasure in them. Why? Well, you can only assume because for the one who stops doing this, their, their outcome or the end of their life is death. 
for his soul not to have pleasure in them, you suspect or you can assume quite safely that they're on their way to death, to hell. And so, so you know, he's, but he's wants to, he wants to remind them of something really important. And that's why he says in verse 39, but we, but we, and he speaks confidently and he speaks encouragingly to them. He says, but we are not of those who draw back to perdition. but of those who believe to the saving of the soul. He says, but I know that we, the one I'm talking to, the people I'm encouraging, he says, I know that we're not the ones who will draw back to this perdition, but we keep believing because by faith, if you continue to believe, this brings about the saving of our souls. That's the place we need to be, brothers and sisters. Maybe, maybe you know people who have drawn back. Maybe you're sitting quietly this morning and in your heart you know you've drawn back. You've kind of quietly given up. You don't know what to do anymore. And I'm not saying you're going to hell. I'm just saying if you're in a place where the, the enemy perhaps has, has been wrestling and, you, and you're just tired of fighting or you're drawn back, you're drawing back or you feel like you're slipping back, but today, brothers and sisters, today, let's Rise up in faith. Let's believe that in a God who is and the rewarder of those who diligently seek him. Let's hold on not to our own ability, but into the ability and the goodness of God who has called us to his kingdom and will promise us to keep us by his faithfulness. Let's hold on to him and let's believe to the saving of our souls. Brothers and sisters, with this faith, with this faith, we are not building sandcastles. With this faith, we are building things that last. With this faith, brothers and sisters, we are not trusting in ourselves. It is such a human trait. It is such a human quality to bring to God something and in our hearts to believe, look what I have done. Look what I have accomplished. Look what I can do. And to bring this before God as if some strategy or some method or some process has been successful in, in, in your Christian walk, in your Christian faith, in your parenting, in your church organisation, as if something of great structure and some, some wonderful book has brought about some method to, to accomplish something great in the kingdom rather than your faith. And it is a human trait. And it is the temptation of Christians to come before the Lord and not say, Lord, look what you have done, but rather, Lord, look what I have done. And I encourage you, brothers and sisters, as we move into next year or move into this year, that we come with faith, not trusting in ourselves, but trusting in the living God. Many of you, I suspect, would have seen this verse pop up on your phones or come across your way over the last couple of days. I suspect you have because this is a beautiful verse that sort of almost captures the New Year's Day uh, um, foundation, you know, something to set us up for New Year's Day. But I want to read it to us. It comes from Isaiah 43, verses 18 to 19. You don't need to turn to it. I'm just going to read it. You can if you like. Isaiah 43, verses 18 to 19. This is God speaking to his people. He says this, Do not remember the former things. Do not remember. It's almost like he's saying, Forget them. Let it go. 
just leave it behind. You know, don't remember what happened yesterday. Don't remember what happened 2021. Don't remember what happened 2020. Don't remember. It's like he's saying, do not remember the former things. And I suspect what he's referring to here is the things that didn't go well for them. Because, of course, we're called to remember many of the good things. But what does our nature do? Our nature remembers the things that didn't go well. That's just our nature. But he says, don't remember the former things. Don't remember the former things. He wants to encourage them to have their eyes and their lens on the things before them, the things that are going to give them strength, the things that are going to help them overcome, the things that are going to have them stay strong and remain strong. Because don't remember the former things. Nor consider the things of old. He says, behold, I will do a new thing. Well, here we are, a new year. And I believe by faith God is promising that he will continue to do a new thing, that he will continue to do what is most important and most significant in our hearts, and that is to establish our faith, to be in a place where God wants us to be. And brothers and sisters, we owe it to each other to do this. Those many people at the moment in our fellowship are, are getting together and are dating or going to get married soon or have been married. Guys, let me give a word of advice to you. Those who are recently married or those who are going to get married, you owe it to your partners to maintain this faith. You owe it. Because remember, the reason why your husband or your wife, the reason why your, your um, uh, partner loves you is not just because of the character of your character. That definitely is one reason, but because of your faith. Remember that, that they don't love you just because of your character or, or ought not to just love you because of your character, but because of your faith. And so you owe it to them to hold on to this faith all your married life because this is why they loved you as well. This is why they were attracted to you as well. And so we are called to hold on to this. God is asking us here. God is telling us, behold, I, I make a new thing. Now it shall spring forth. Shall you not know it? I will even make a road in the wilderness. Isn't that beautiful? You know, God's thinking, the way God, God's language is amazing because it's all the language of faith. Because as we're in the wilderness, we think to myself, my goodness, where am I going to go? Which way do I go in the wilderness? I haven't got a GPS with me. I don't know where I'm going. You know, it all, it all looks the same. It all looks barren. And all of a sudden God says, I'll make a road. I'll make a road and all you have to do is follow God's road, God's path, his word, which is a lamp to my feet and a light to my path. He says, I'll make a road for you in the wilderness. Who's going to make a road in the wilderness? God, because it's faith. He says, I'll make a road in the wilderness. And he says, and rivers, listen to this, and rivers in the desert, because this is faith. When there's a desert and you think to myself, where am I going to get any nourishment from? Where am I going to get any relief from? Is I'll even put rivers in the desert. Because as we move into a new year, this is the faith that we come with. Yes, we can cling to the things of old. We can cling to the problems of old. We can cling to the memories of old that have been shattering, devastating, painful, hurtful, the emotions that have gone up and down. We can cling to these things or we can believe in a God who puts a road in a wilderness and rivers in the desert. What are you going to do? What are you going to choose? Will you draw back or will you be encouraged to continue, as the Bible says, the just who live 
by faith. So we come into this place and the Bible tells, and God says he puts rivers in uh, rivers in the desert. And many, many people, I pray, uh, I pray this next year that you will uh, begin to reset, if you like, this faith and do the things that God is calling you to do. You know what I love about, one of the things I love about News, news Day as well is, or one thing I'm interested about News Day is the resolutions that people set. Uh, the, the, the decisions and the commitments that people make to um, do something different in the, with their lives. And you know what? To be really honest with you, I actually like resolutions. I like them. I think they're really good. In fact, I'd go as far as saying that that can be really healthy for people too. And, and I would just suggest that you <laughs> make sure you set things that are realistic and achievable. Otherwise, you can be more disappointed than you start before you started. But I think resolutions are really good. And I think be encouraged, go, whether it's to do with food or exercise or something else, go do them. Fantastic. I would encourage you to have resolutions, set yourself goal, and then be encouraged when you meet those goals. But can I encourage you, brothers and sisters, that somewhere in your resolution, somewhere that you would reflect on the purpose and the plans of God for you. That somewhere in your resolutions that you would contemplate that my faith must be reset, that I must feed it, that I must encourage it. But next year, moving into this year, is the opportunity to set my faith solidly and, and allow it to grow as the Lord has called for me to be. And so, brothers and sisters, move, moving into 2022 is not just a call, listen carefully to this, it's not just a call to believe in Christ. It's a call to become like Christ. It's not just a call to believe in Christ, but it is a call to become like Christ. Christ. How do we do this? Well, faith. Faith. And what I love about faith, brothers and sisters, I know that without faith, nothing can change next year. I know that. In fact, let me ask you the question. What do you think is going to change without faith? That things that will last. What do you think is going to change without this faith? But then I ask you a different question. What do you think can change with this faith? And I believe this is the faith that God has called us to. Because whether it's a spiritual obstacle, God is able to deal with that. Whether it's a spiritual need, God is able to do with that, deal with that. God is able to provide all things for us to become like Christ. Our, our responsibility is to continue to believe. So let's look at this more carefully in, in, in Hebrews, Hebrews 11. And I love the fact that, um, and I'll just, just briefly make some comments on these verses. I love the fact that this is about faith because, you know, what faith tells me. It tells me a few things that are really, really important, brothers and sisters, that allows us to remember our position before the Lord. Because I think with this faith, we're able to fear the Lord. We're able to have a healthy fear of the Lord because this faith reminds me that by nature, I'm human. Without faith, imagine if there's no such thing as faith. We'd probably think that I'm really strong enough to do the things that I want to do. But faith reminds me, you know, people laugh at faith. People think, ah, faith, you know, are oh, you Christians, you have faith, it's because, you know, that's all you can hold on to. Yeah, that's, I have no, I'm, I'll confess, that's what I hold on to. Absolutely. Have no problems confessing that. Because what faith reminds me is that I am human. That by nature, I can't do things that God has called me to do. That by nature, I'm limited in my knowledge. Yeah, absolutely. I'll confess that. That's what faith reminds me. Faith reminds me that I'm limited in my ability and I'm limited in my knowledge and I will accept that. And it draws me closer 
to God or compels me to dig deeper and, and draw closer to knowing God more and more. And that's why people in this world have to fabricate faith. They have to fabricate. They have to make something that is beyond them. They have to make something that is beyond their knowledge or beyond their ability. They need to cling to something because they'll have to fabricate faith. They may not call it faith. They may call it philosophy. They may call it something else, but they need to fabricate it because it is a recognition that they are limited in their ability and they're limited in their understanding. But our faith is in the risen Christ, the Lord of Lords and the King of Kings who's coming back. And this is the faith we hold on to. So the scripture tells us, verse 1, that faith is the substance of things hoped for and it's the evidence of things not seen. Everybody needs evidence. Well, let's say that again. People want evidence. People love evidence. People are comforted by some kind of evidence. If you say, oh, this is, this is true and this is the evidence to prove it. People generally like evidence. Here's the good news, brothers and sisters. You ready? Here's the great news. You ready to hear this? Faith is your evidence. Faith becomes the evidence. You may not see things, but it becomes the substance of things hoped for. When you have hope in your heart, it's not a hope that says, I hope so. It's a hope that says, I have hope because it becomes the faith that is the substance of things hoped for. And, you know, when someone says, oh, what's your evidence? Quietly in your heart, faith. It becomes the evidence of things not seen. And this becomes for us our rock. It becomes for us our foundation. It is the faith that is immovable. It is the faith that can't easily be shaken. This is the faith that continues to hold on. Even when the world laughs, so we have faith. Don't you think that's what Noah would have done? Don't you think Noah, when perhaps the world was laughing at him and he's building an ark and there has been no rain ever, don't you think as the world perhaps presumably was mocking him, by faith he moved? He moved because that's the evidence of things uh, not seen. He goes and say in verse 2, for by it, the elders obtained a good testimony. And I love, I did, this verse is quite interesting because it's saying this is the faith that brings about a good testimony. How many people in life go about seeking a good name for themselves? Perhaps even in the Christian community, they go about seeking a good name for themselves by the things that they do, by the quantity of their work, by the size of their church by the numbers of people in their membership list. I don't know, but people have a way of, of wanting to be driven by a good testimony of some, of some ways. In fact, the Bible says, let another man praise you and not your own lips. But the Bible says here that the elders, that is the, 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 the people of the Old Testament, the elders obtained a good testimony by this faith this is what you look at someone you think this is the reason to boast if you're allowed to boast if someone said to me what do you boast about in your church if i was allowed to boast i'd say oh the faith of the people the faith of the people that i'm encouraged by their faith i'm encouraged that they serve by this faith that they love by this faith that they are driven by this faith that they attend by this faith i'm not encouraged by how much they do, but by this faith. 
And if we all can come to the end of our lives, having done all and having withstood all to stand by this faith, then I think I'm a happy person. This is, this is uh, uh, the boasting, if boasting was allowed, in the testimony that comes by this faith. This is the faith that moves us into the new year. This is the faith that establishes us. Verse 3, for by faith we understand that the worlds were framed by the word of God so that the things which are seen were not made of the things which are visible. Don't you love this? The great debates of this life. What's one of the great debates? What probably is the debate number one? Is there a God? Isn't it? Like, like this world spends so much energy, so much time, so many resources, so many debates, so many TV shows, so many TV programs to discuss, so many books being written to discuss this great debate of life. Is there a God? And for the Christian, it's a no-brainer. For the Christian, the Bible says right from the beginning, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. It's not even an argument for God. It's just a statement God created. It's not even a defense for God. It's just a statement of truth God created. And the Christian is settled in their heart. There is peace. They don't need to read 40 books. They don't need to watch 55 sermons or listen to 55 conferences. They are settled in their hearts. God created the great debates. The, uh, sorry, the, the God exists, the great debates. In fact, the fool says in his heart, there is no God. But there's a second great debate. And who made this world? And how was it made? And the Bible is so clear for us here that by faith we understand that the worlds were framed by the word of God. Look out tonight. Go out later. Look around you. Go out tonight and look up. Go out to the ocean and look around and see for yourself. By the word of God, this was all framed. And not just framed, brothers and sisters, but perfectly put together, perhaps as a symbol, as an example of the very thing that God does with our lives. By the word of God, and that which, uh, and so that the things which are seen, what you see, are not made by things that are visible, because the word has created them, if you like. So the great debates of life, is there a God? Oh, that's a no-brainer for the Christian. Who made this place? Well, again, for the Christian, it's quite obvious that by faith. Now, where does this faith draw us to? Not just to believe that God exists and that God created, but it takes us to another level, a deeper level, to believe that the same God who always existed and the same God who put things together so perfectly well that everything can exist and rotate around itself so perfectly is the same God who guarantees and promises to look after you and me. This is the faith we take into the new brothers and sisters. And then the writer starts to give some examples. And the first example he gives is, is Cain and Abel, the first two boys who lived on this earth after Adam and Eve, born to Adam and Eve. For by faith Abel offered to God a more excellent sacrifice than Cain, through which he obtained witness that he was righteous, God testifying of his gifts, and through it he being dead still speaks. There's a couple of really interesting points I want to highlight in his brothers and sisters, and that is, firstly, it's quite interesting here how the Bible wants to remind us that nothing can swamp, nothing can cover, nothing is able to squash faith. It says here that even he be dead, 
faith still speaks. What's going to stop faith? What's going to stop the element, the core, the essence of faith? Though much comes against us into the new year, faith will continue to speak. Though people try to tie your voice, though people try to restrict your life, though people try to uh, ridicule and mock who you are, faith still speaks. It's so much so that even in your silence, faith will still speak. Be encouraged. You don't need to go out and do remarkable things to show you have faith. Sometimes you're very silent in your home amongst your loved ones is an evidence of your faith. Abel was killed by his brother, and despite even death, his faith was able to speak. This is testimony to what God is able to do. Why did Abel, I always find this interesting, and I must admit all my Christian life I have found this interesting, why Abel's sacrifice was accepted and Cain's wasn't. And I'm sure there's volumes of books that will tell you a range of different opinions. But I want to keep it very simple for you, what I think, very, very simple. I think Abel came to God. Remember, Cain gave the fruit of the land. Abel gave the the, the firstborn of the flock. Abel, presumably a keeper of the sheep. Cain, a tiller of the land. So Abel brings the firstborn of the flock here, Lord, the sacrifice. Cain brings the of things of the ground here, Lord, my sacrifice, and yet God respected Abel's more. And for me, the only thing I can really conclude in my heart is when Abel came to this is, would, would have been the conditions of their heart because both sacrifices are acceptable to the Lord in the Old Testament. You've got the, the sheep and the grain that come before God. But I can only assume that in Abel's heart, he brought before God and in his heart, he was, he was basically saying to God, God, here it is, the thing that only you can do. And that Cain perhaps came before God and thought, God, here it is, the thing that I kind of did as well. And coming back to that core essence of faith, the one who brings things before the Lord with an absolute conviction and knowledge of, Lord, this is all your work. And the one that brings and says, God, look what I did for you. As if I had had, um, some ability in it other than faith. And here, this is the state of the heart. I'm not talking about the, the outpouring. The outpouring requires responsibility and time and effort and thought and that that that's just a given but that state of the heart that comes before the lord and says lord here the work of your hands and this is faith as we move into a new year to be encouraged that even if uh, you have felt things have perhaps failed miserably for you that you move into a new year by this faith the faith like abel's that came believing this is the work of the lord that this faith that can't be uh, smothered, even death, the Bible says is here, the faith still speaks. And then it gives another example of a man called Enoch. Enoch, the Bible says, by faith was taken away so that he did not see death and was not found because God had taken him. For before he was taken, he had this testimony again that he pleased God. Now, we know the story of Enoch. Enoch just disappeared. If you like, he was raptured up, never saw death. And, again, it's a beautiful thing because, one, the story of Abel, the one who died 
if you like, prematurely still spoke in faith. And the one like Enoch, who didn't even die at all, still speaks of faith. That God, that faith is able to uh, speak in, in all kinds of ways. But the beautiful thing about Enoch is that he was taken, but he had this testimony that he pleased God. How? By this faith. And as we await the coming of the Lord, we wait with a focus on this faith, holding on until the coming of the Lord. We move into the new year, not building sandcastles, but believing that God's hand is at work and what God's hand is at work with, God's work will be established. And then finally, because verse 6, because without this faith, well, it makes sense now, doesn't it, more and more. Hopefully it makes sense to you more and more now because without this faith, it's impossible to please him because this is, what we, this is who we are. This is, this is how we exist. This is our breath, if you like. And God looks at this and is well pleased. For he who comes to God must believe that he is. Well, hopefully that's clearer now. This is God. It's a no-brainer. And there's this simplicity of faith, this childlike faith that says, God, you are God. And that is the rewarder of those who diligently seek him. And if I set my heart this year, Lord, to seek you diligently, to believe in you diligently, to know that my labour is not in vain, to know that you asked me not to look behind but to believe in the new that you will do, that I can walk into this year with a confidence, humble, but confidence that what you do, you will do well. It's because, of, like it says in Acts 17, with this faith, that to him we live, we move, we have our being. That all becomes about him. To him we live, we move, and we have our being. Brothers and sisters, I pray that we come to a place in our hearts this morning that we can be encouraged to come to a place this morning that for anything to be different in 2022, we must come into this year in a place of faith, in a place that believes that God is, he just is, and that he's the rewarder of those who diligently seek him. That for anything to be different, we must come into this year in a place of faith. And for anything, and for us to become any more like Christ, which is the, the very thing, because this is the faith we're talking about, brothers and sisters. We're not talking about a vague awareness of God or even just a knowledge of God. We're talking about a faith that overcomes, a faith that without works is dead. This is the faith we're talking about. This is the faith that is the substance of things hoped for. It's the evidence of things not seen. That for anything to be different in 2022, it must come with this faith. And for anything, any opportunity for us to become more like Christ, even in the areas where there's a spiritual need or a spiritual obstacle or a spiritual block, that by faith we believe God will wash this away, that we may become more like his son. The past is the past. 
the last two years is the last two years. Perhaps there's a lot of loss that is felt, but not moving into 2022. In 2022, it's not loss, but again, like every year, it's faith. And I pray that you're encouraged to stand by this. Let's pray together. Father in heaven, thank you, God, for the stories of Abel, Enoch, and others. Thank you, Lord, that um, on our own and without you, it's all in vain. Lord, remind us this morning that if we've drawn back, we can come in faith believing that what you put your hand to is always established. And, Father, if our faith has wavered, I pray that you would strengthen us and encourage us by the power of your Holy Spirit. As we move into this year, I pray that as a church and as individuals, we simply choose to live by faith, to see the impossible through the eyes of your word or through the lens of your word and the righteousness that comes by you. Thank you, Father. Bless your church. Bless everyone in it. Continue to guard us and guide us this year. In Jesus' name, amen.